the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. From verse 10 into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 1 to 4. But God had revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, the things that we have been freely given, we also speak about. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as unto carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there is, or where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, Another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Last week we began the conversation on the spiritual man. We tried to define spirituality, even though our approach was to explain what spirituality is not. And among several things that were said, we explained that being spooky, being mystical, being illogical does not necessarily suggest spirituality. There were a few things I could not say. But we have to progress because there's so much to cover in this subject matter. Tonight I'll be teaching on the making of the spiritual man. Even though I'm still going to use another approach that is not necessarily as the topic suggests. But for today's topic, you can title it, The Making of the Spiritual Man. Everybody say, I have understanding into the things of the Spirit. One more time, I have understanding into the things of the Spirit. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, which we have read from in our opening text, you would see very clearly three classes of men, or three kinds of men, or three categories of men. No matter how rich or how poor, literate or illiterate, male or female, young or old, every woman being can, can be classified into these categories. The first kind of man, the first kind of woman being you noticed in Paul's letter, and if you read First Corinthians 2, you see this emphatically, is what Paul refers to as the natural man. The natural man. 
Now, the phrase natural man speaks of the man who is not born again. He has only been born once by his parents. He has natural parents. And as far as he's concerned, that's the only kind of birth experience that he has experienced. He is not familiar with the concept of being born again, experiencing the new birth. Is described as the natural man. He does not have the indwelling spirit, which is the signature of the person who has been born of God. I told you on Sunday that to confirm that we are favored of God and that we are children of God, what God did was to give us the spirit. Once the spirit has been given, it's a testimony, it's an affirmation, it's a confirmation that the person has been accepted by God and is a member of the family of God. So the natural man is a stranger to the indwelling spirit. He has not received the indwelling spirit. He's not a member of God's household. He is a slave to sin and Satan. He is not a citizen of heaven. He is in bondage to hell and the forces of darkness. According to Ephesians 2, he is dead in trespasses, has been alienated from the life of God, separated from the commonwealth of Zion. He's on the fast track to hell. That's the natural man. The person we are describing may appear very beautiful, may appear very intelligent. You might even have a crush on them. But listen to me, how the Bible describes them, they are natural. They don't have the testament of the indwelling spirits. They are not members of the family of God. They have been estranged from the commonwealth of Zion. They are dead people. They have not tasted the mercy of God. They have not received the grace of God that saves men from hell, from sin, from Satan. They are the natural men. Now in describing the experiences of the natural man, Paul says something very interesting in 1 Corinthians 2. He says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Put it back in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 2 and let's see the reading again. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You notice the emphasis and repetition of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit. And then in verse 14, it now says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So if you read that first statement, it sounds a little bit interesting, but the next statement is also more interesting. It says, No, can he know them? Because they are spiritually discerned. So although the natural man may attempt to know the things of the Spirit, he cannot know it. He has no capacity to know the things of the Spirit. Because he's not born of the Spirit. He's not taught of the Spirit. He has not received the indwelling Spirit that facilitates the knowledge of God. And by knowledge, it's not just mental apprehension, but intimacy. Are we still together? In scriptures, in Genesis 3, what are Genesis 4? In describing the sexual intercourse that happened between Adam and Eve, the word of God says that 
Adam knew his wife. And so know or knew or knowledge doesn't just refer to mental comprehension, it refers to intimacy. So the natural man cannot apprehend the things of the Spirit because he has no capacity. The capacity we are talking about here is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. In John 14, Jesus describing the operations of the Holy Spirit says that he will teach us all things, bring us into remembrance of whatever he has taught us previously. The natural man does not have that because he does not have the Holy Spirit. Are we still together? Please note that in describing the natural man, Paul doesn't just talk about the sins of the natural man. The natural man is a slave to sin. The natural man is under bondage to sin, to Satan, to hell. But in describing the reality and the experience of the natural man, Paul decides to focus on the fact that this natural man, how you will know him, the first way you know him is that he cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Why? Because there are many natural men who are keeping moral laws effectively, who don't smoke, who don't drink, who don't fornicate. And if you are going to define a natural man according to sins, you may miss it. Because there are many morally upright natural men. They are not born again, but they still live right, in a sense. For the wrong reasons, or because Satan sponsors their self-righteousness and pride, and makes them not to even have a need for salvation and redemption. There are many natural men who you may even be trying to copy and envy, and say, this person is very nice, so this person is very good, though. this person is very well behaved. But Paul now intelligently in separating the natural man from the spiritual man says, how you will know them is that they cannot receive the things of the spirit. They cannot understand it. They may sound very smart and very intelligent in terms of the wisdom of the Greeks, which refers to dominantly the natural wisdom. But as far as spiritual things are concerned, they cannot recognize, they cannot separate, they cannot understand, they cannot comprehend. They may go to a Bible school, they may even read the Bible, they may try to look into scriptures and read several writings that are spiritual. But if there is no reality of the indwelling spirit, the natural man cannot comprehend, cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Are we still together? Please note that. Fundamentally, according to the Paul's, or to Paul's letter to Corinthians, you recognize the natural man by his ignorance about God, his lack of understanding concerning the things of the Spirit, and the fact that he has no capacity to receive from the Spirit of God. The second category of Mankind, that you see in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, is what Paul refers to as the spiritual man. The spiritual man. Now, the spiritual man here refers to the new creation in his ideal state. The new creation in his ideal state. Fundamentally and positionally, Everyone born of God who has experienced the new birth, who is born of the Spirit, who is born again, fundamentally and positionally can be described as a spiritual man. By virtue of your identity, the fact that you are now joined with the Lord and one spirit with the Lord, 
The fact that your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost affirms the reality of you being a spiritual man. This does not mean you would always feel spiritual. This does not mean you won't have some struggles. This does not even mean that you are absolutely perfect in terms of the fact that you don't make any mistakes or have any shortcomings. But fundamentally, positionally, anyone who is born of God, who is a new creation, who is born again, born of the Spirit, can be referred to as the spiritual man. The spiritual man has been redeemed from Satan. Satan has nothing on the spiritual man. Has no rights, has no influence, has no power. Whatever kind of influence or power that Satan exercises over the spiritual man is because of laziness or ignorance. Satan has nothing on the spiritual man. Nothing. Because that man has been redeemed, taken away from the grip of darkness, brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. He has been delivered, he has been justified, he has been sanctified, he has been set apart, he is holy, he is righteous, he is powerful, he has authority. This is the spiritual man in his ideal state. Positionally and fundamentally, this is what Christianity is supposed to be like. Experientially, this is what Christianity is supposed to be like. But, the emphasis that Paul uses to Talk about the spiritual man in First Corinthians 2 also affirms issues of understanding. In First Corinthians 2, excuse me, please, Paul um, certainly uses the carnal man as the opposite of the spiritual man. Put it back on the, on the screen. Let's see the last three verses of First Corinthians 2. That will be from verse 15 or verse 13. Let's start from verse 13. Okay. The Spirit teaches concerning spirituals or comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let's go on to verse 14 and 15. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit because they are foolishness and so on. Go on to verse 15 now. He who is spiritual, so this refers to the spiritual man. Everybody say the spiritual man. Judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Go ahead to verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. Let's go on to um, chapter 3 now and verse 1. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as unto canal. Please notice, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as canal as babes in Christ. Okay? I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still canal, for where there are Envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? So in verse 1, Paul sets the environment to also define the spiritual man. And he says that he could not speak unto them as spiritual men. Which means that, or which meant that, it is how a man responds to the word of God, in terms of understanding, grasping, practicing, that you used to define his spirituality. Are we still together? Are we still together? In defining the spiritual man, Paul also didn't talk about the frequency of sins. He didn't say, I now notice that you people are spiritual, or I notice that you people are not spiritual because you are still living in sin. Uh-uh. Notice he spoke about an education scenario, 
I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual men, but as unto carnal men. Now, we are talking about carnal man. Is it carnal man? We are talking about spiritual man. Yeah. So the spiritual man can understand the things of the spirits. Listen, this is supposed to be the ideal state of the Christian. That you can understand the things of the spirits. That you can receive from the, from the Holy Spirit. You can receive instruction, admonition, encouragement, comfort. So in describing the spiritual man, Paul once again talks about the fact that he is able to receive certain things. And certain things here refers to certain conversation, certain education. Paul also says that the spiritual man can judge all things, yet he himself is judged of no one. The word judge there refers to evaluation or examination. Paul says how you recognize a spiritual man is that he can receive things of the Spirit. How you recognize a spiritual man is that he can also evaluate and examine everything in the proper perspective. However, that man cannot be evaluated by the natural man. What does that mean? It means that there is a lens that the spiritual man views things. There is a perspective of the spiritual man. The spiritual man can be recognized based on his perspective, or like I will teach you either in this teaching or next week's teaching, based on his world view. When the spiritual man comes to a church, he doesn't just see according to the natural man's sight. According to his five senses, there is a perspective that informs him. There is a way he views things. He evaluates things. Although he evaluates things, other people that are natural cannot evaluate him. What that means also is that you can look at, you see, a natural man can observe a spiritual man and see somebody who is very poor, very, very wretched, according to their own standards, very, very, I mean, has nothing that you can envy. And you can rate him and give him his life minus four over ten. The natural man in attempting to evaluate the spiritual man can just say, this person ah, is a worthless life. He's not even enjoying life. Look at him, he's suffering. Hey, I pity him. A natural man can actually observe a spiritual man and begin to pity him. Meanwhile, he's the one that should be most pitied amongst all men. Are we still together? That's why you must not base your what your identity on the evaluation of the natural man. The natural man looks at you and is pitying you. Say, hey, this one they suffer. Every day, church, 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 church. That participant, you know if you go, you know if you enjoy life. That's what he thinks because his view is not real. <laughs> He's living in a fool's paradise. <laughs> so, the spiritual man cannot be evaluated. On the day, the spiritual man is the strongest the natural man will see him as a weakling. Are you getting it? On the day Jesus was crucified, everybody said, Hey, say this the end has come to this man, and he was a good man. Hey. Jesus was like, Why are you guys weeping for me? You should weep for yourself. Jerusalem, weep for yourself. But did you understand because they were natural men? In fact, according to the sentiments in First Corinthians chapter one. He says, if the princes of this world knew what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know what they were doing. When they crucified Jesus, they thought, oh, we are bringing an end to his life and his ministry. They were trying to evaluate a spiritual man. 
according to natural circumstance. Let me say this many Christians are also guilty of this, even in burial ceremonies and funeral services. This is a little bit, you might consider it um, not compassionate or not you know, with empathy, but the truth is that even when a spiritual man dies physically, you, are, you may be crying and lamenting and saying, but in the realm of the spirit, it's a different atmosphere. Totally different atmosphere. Am I aware of stories of people who died and people prayed for them to come back? And when they came back, they said, why you don't leave me alone? Why you don't free me? Where I went was a better place. You want to bring me back to this wicked world. But you see, if you are only in this realm, the natural realm, and you see things from the viewpoint of this natural state, you can't relate to that. How don't you want to continue eating shawarma on the earth? Don't you want to continue drinking fire alive in this world? That's what you are thinking. Because you are thinking from a natural standpoint. Meanwhile, in the real realm, and I taught you that last week, the spiritual world is the real realm. It's more lasting. It's more permanent. It's a bigger realm. It's a wider realm. What you see on this physical realm is very, very little compared to the other side. So, the spiritual man evaluates all things. He evaluates death from the lenses of God. He evaluates beauty from the lenses of God. The natural man evaluates, but his evaluation is so poor, so miserable, so wretched. His evaluation does not really count for anything. A spiritual man is known by his capacity to understand the things of the spirit and by his capacity to evaluate things from the perspective of the spirit. Are we still together? Okay. And the third category, which is what I want to spend much of my time on, because the truth is that for several people, this is where they are. The third category of men is the carnal man. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Paul says, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? For most part of my early Christian life, the word carnal or carnality seemed to be said only with a sexual undertone or connoted sexuality and things that refers to matters of sex. When we called people carnal, most of the things we were referring to was the fact that probably they were sleeping around or they could not control their sexual energies. While that is also a symptom of carnality, that is not the fundamental scope that Paul uses to talk about a carnal man in First Corinthians 3. Are we still together? When I came to you, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as carnal. Now listen, the carnal man is a Christian. The carnal man is saved on his way to heaven. The carnal man is born again. Put it in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 3. Understand this thing very well. The carnal man is not a servant of Satan. He is not 
bound to sin is described in verse 1 as brethren. Everybody say brethren. Listen up, listen, follow closely. Because many people see carnal Christians and conclude they are going to hell. And you'll be, you see, that's why you must understand this doctrinally. The carnal man that Paul described in 1 Corinthians 31 is called brethren. He won't call them brethren if they were not saved. Born again people. Believed in Jesus. Born of the Spirit. Spiritual in position, but carnal in experience. Spiritual in identity, but carnal in practice. Spiritual in fundamental realities, but carnal in actions, thinking, and behavior. But Paul calls them brethren. Please note that the context of this conversation is that Paul was saying, when I spoke to you, and at this time, this was, well, so many Bible scholars assume it was close to over two years, or even five years. Paul was saying, the first time I spoke to you, the first time I spoke to you, because Paul planted this church in Corinth, I could not speak to you as spiritual people. Listen, listen. Although they were born of the Spirit, Paul knew that even though they were born of the Spirit, because based on their infant stage, they could not be described as spiritual people. So Paul did not tell them some things. Or, in a more accurate sense, are we still together? Paul could not tell them some things in the way he wanted to say it. For instance, let me give an example. Because I don't believe that Paul necessarily withdrew any information or withheld any information, but he could not say it in the way he was supposed to say it. For instance, when I'm speaking to mature men, and some of you who follow me on Facebook know that this happens several, I can say to a mature person, I can say to a mature person, do right, live right. Your effectiveness depends on it. Live right, do right. Your effectiveness depends on it. A mature man understands the conversation. However, a carnal man will say, Are you trying to say that? No, that's what. You see, when, when a carnal man talks, you know how, that's how they start the conversation. So you have to now say, Okay, live right, do right. Your effectiveness depends on it. But it does not mean God does not love you if you make a mistake. You have to add those addendums to a canal man. Are you getting the picture? They won't get it straight. So, you will, something that is a basic truth, you have to spend 45 minutes explaining it. Because you have to add addendum here, addendum here, join her here, join her here, for them to just get it. They will start saying, are you trying to say that? But what if... That's how they ask questions. Suppose that there was a way I communicated to you when you first were converted so many years ago or some years ago. And I communicated to you not as spiritual people. Even though fundamentally you were spiritual people because you were born of the Spirit. Are we still together? 
So the carnal man is a Christian who is not. This statement is not com- com- complete, too, please. The carnal man is a Christian. Let me give you something you can write. A carnal man is a Christian who is not living according to the standards of his fundamental identity. He is spiritual fundamentally in identity, but in practice, in experience, is carnal. But Paul calls him brethren. <laughs> brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal. Put it back again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. As to babes in Christ, verse 2, go ahead, verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, look, when it says until now, it's saying when I was with you, you were not able to receive certain things. And even now, after so many years, you are still not able to receive it. So, a carnal man has the capacity to receive. But by his laziness and slothfulness and his love for junk food, his capacity to receive is shrinked. He can. It's not, is it the natural man? Listen to me. The Christian is never the natural man. Can never be the natural man. You can't be born of the spirit and be the natural man. The Christian can never be the natural man. The worst description of a Christian is the carnal man. Are we together? That carnal man has the capacity to receive the things of the Spirit. He can understand God. He can know God. He can know the Spirit. But his slothfulness and his appetite for junk food, for basic elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ, is contentment with staying with the fundamentals of Christian living does not now make his capacity to expand to a point where he can now receive spiritual things. For the carnal man, the problem is not about what he can do. The problem is about what he refuses to do. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Cannot. Cannot understand the Spirit. The carnal man can understand, but he refuses to understand. Are you still listening to me? I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Go ahead to verse 3. Go ahead to verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like men? men? Now, this natural man is described as somebody who cannot receive the things of the Spirit. The spiritual man is described as somebody who can receive the things of the Spirit and judges all things, which means he evaluates all things from the perspective of the Spirit. The carnal man, so natural man, spiritual man, carnal man is described as somebody who behaves like a mere man. Do we together? The carnal man is not a mere man, but he behaves like a mere man. The carnal man is a spiritual man who is behaving like a natural man. The carnal man is a Christian who is behaving like an unbeliever. 
the carnal man is a citizen of heaven who is behaving like a citizen of this world. How you recognize a carnal man is not just in his profession of faith. Oh, I'm born again. Oh, I speak in tongues. But his behavior. How you recognize a spiritual man is not just in his speaking in tongues. It's not just in his seeming comprehension of spiritual matters, but his behavior. If you behave like a normal human being, then how the Bible describes you is carnal. Are we still together? That's why you must be very deliberate about how you behave. You know that in talking about concepts like this, spirituals and spiritual matters, many people say lots of ridiculous things such as, it is who you are that matters. What you do does not really matter. You see, that's how babies talk. When you, want to, when, you want to, when you want to grow up, you don't talk like that. Behaving like mere men. Many of us have to repent from behaving like mere men. Because we are not mere men. According to the standards of God, based on the investment of heaven into you, you are not a mere man. Some of us act as though some of the demands of God and the demands of the spiritual man or the demands on a spiritual man is too much and too choky and too overwhelming. But you are not a mere man. You think that God will pity you as a... is just a woman being... No. After giving you his own spirit, he's not going to call you just a woman being... No way. God understands. God understands. God does not understand. God is confused. How do I give a man my spirit and he still behaves like a mere man? It doesn't add up. And this was the lamentation of Paul. Paul's lamentation was that the Corinthian church had received everything required for life and godliness. They had no excuse to be carnal. They had received everything to make them spiritual people. Beyond what they had received, there had been sufficient time between the space or between their, their conversion and the time of this writing, so much has happened. And Paul was expecting that by now you will be spiritual people. But he said, I notice you are still behaving like mere men. However, in describing the carnal man, Paul also speaks about certain things that we may not consider too important. Paul says, for where there is envy, strife, divisions... Are you not canal? So, one way you recognize a canal man is on matters such as what I call spiritual sins. You may not be able to identify a canal man when you observe physical sins. Are we still together? Physical sins are sins that don't need discernment to recognize. If somebody steals, nobody needs to discern. Except he's stolen hiding. If he's stealing is obvious... You don't want to be a spiritual man to know this man is stealing. Are we together? But there are certain sins you cannot recognize except by discerning. Envy, strife, division. Go ahead to verse 4. Let's see the emphasis, which is actually division. When one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not now, please note that okay, what I was going to say you can see it in verse 3, 6 Paul was the one that planted the church 
Apollos was the one that grew the church or was attempting to grow them up. So both leaders were instrumental in the existence of the Covenant Church. Are we still together? Just like I was not the one who planted this church. The person who planted this church, I don't know if he's still alive. This church was planted in the 90s. And there have been about five pastors who have, or six pastors who have pastored this church. Are we still together? Okay. And so, in that congregation, there was division. Some people bragged about, I like Paul's messages. Others said, oh, I used to enjoy Apollos more. That may sound like something that a spiritual person is saying. Oh, he's just identifying with his leader. But Paul was able to discern and say, eh, this thing that you are calling identifying with the leader is actually carnality. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. Some people even said, I am of Christ. Maybe it's in verse 5, if it's there. Put it in verse 4 or 5. Okay. It's not there, but... Point is that some people can say... Have you heard people say things like, well... Uh, I'm not a redeemer. I'm not a Ramite. I'm not a winner. I'm just a Christian. That sounds like a very spiritual statement. Is that not so? But if you discern, it can be division. It can be a carnal statement. It can still be somebody attempting to divide and say some people are winners people. Some people are Ramite people. We, we, only we are the Jesus people. It sounds like a very spiritual thing. Ah, this person is a very spiritual person. But it can be carnality. Are we still together? So, in recognizing a carnal man, you will have to discern beyond physical sins, examine spiritual shortcomings. Okay, okay, okay. Let's um, make some progress here. More importantly, in recognizing carnal men, you can also check how they relate with other believers. Paul in verse 3 spoke about envy and divisions and strife. How a man relates with other believers can confirm whether he is a spiritual man or is a carnal man. How do you relate with people that are not members of your church? Who are Christians? Genuine Christians. How do you relate with Christians who have a few shortcomings? Or more shortcomings? How do you relate with Christians who are illiterate, poor, not in your social status. One of the ways you can examine and uh, recognize a carnal man is that he relates with other believers with envy, strife, and divisions. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22, Paul explains a concept which I want to amplify with respect to this issue of being spiritual and being carnal. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Go ahead to Galatians 5.19 The works of the flesh, so if I didn't get the exact verse, just identify it, okay, it's verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, keep reading, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 
envy, mothers, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you before, and just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are we still together? I'm taking my time. We must trash out this matter. One of the things I've noticed is that people classify, people who are practicing all of these things, classify them as carnal Christians. Say he's a Christian, but he's just carnal. Actually, that's not doctrinally and biblically correct. The things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 3 is not what's mentioned in Galatians 5. And Paul uses the word, those who practice, the word practice is to consistently make a habit out of these things. Paul says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is he saying? He's saying they are not saved. People who do this consider they are not saved. The truth is that in our generation there are many fake conversions. Somebody says he's born again, speaks in a certain tongue. Meanwhile, the person is a witch. Are you listening to me? I will teach you discernment into the realm of the spirits, maybe in the third or fourth week. I listened to a man of God who was saying that he entered into an auditorium and everybody was speaking in other tongues. And then he heard a particular woman's tongue and he just knew that I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying. It just does not. It, it does not taste well. Or let me use the word, it does not sound well. <laughs> oh no, it's not a sounding thing, it's tasting actually. Because when we consider Hebrews 5, we will see that you descend by tasting. <laughs> you taste. Nah, this thing does not taste well. It looks like it is natural food, but it is artificial food. How many of you have seen those flowers that are not alive? They are dead flowers. But they look like they are living flowers. They are plastic flowers. <laughs> and so, he was asking God, what is it about this woman? And then God said, ah, this one is a witch. A witch? What am I supposed to do? God said, tell the woman, I command you in the name of Jesus to say what you are saying in English. Before then, he turned to the pastor and said, who is that woman speaking in that tongue, that particular one? The pastor said, oh, that's the head of our intercessory department. You said, you shocked you, Abby? <laughs> so, he now told the pastor, he said, she's a witch. The Lord told me she's a witch. He said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard anybody say. She said, so, she's a spiritual woman. So we are so blessed. The pastor said, give me one minute. Watch this. In the name of Jesus, say what you are saying in English. The woman began to yell, F your Jesus. I don't have to say the complete F, you know what I mean. That was what she was saying in tongues. F you and F your Jesus. F you and F your Jesus. In church. Service. Intercessory. Not saved, not converted. Witch. Recruited by Satan. Working in church. That's a branch office. She resumes there every Sunday to work for Satan. That's why you cannot afford to say somebody is spiritual because he's speaking tongues. There are many things to check. Oh. <coughs> somebody is spiritual because he read time and hold microphone and say, Jesus is Lord. Praise Master Jesus. Anybody can say Any demon can say that. The demons know that Jesus is Lord, though. They know. They knew before you. 
Are we still together? I was explaining that there are many false conversions. And many people say, uh, the person is a Christian, but he's a carnal Christian. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Listen, you cannot be practicing something like this. Murder, drunkenness, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, and practicing it. Practicing it means make a habit of it. And not be giving the excuse of, hey, I'm born again, it's just that uh, I'm, I'm still growing. No! No! Such will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we see we will make a practice of that, we need to confirm, are you saved? Are you really saved? Are you really saved? You really choose up saying they are just carnal Christians who are just upcoming. Eh? Many times, by the time you check, notice their conversion was faulty. They thought that because they wrote their name in a book and the pastor prayed for them, that means they are saved. Most of them cannot affirm that there is a weakness in their hearts that they are children of God. No, 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 can say. They will just say, My pastor told me that I'm born again. If you are saved, it's not me that will tell you. You will know. The spirit bears witness with, the, with, the, with, with our spirits that we are sons of God. It's not your pastor that will tell you that you are, you are now born again. It's not the evangelist that will tell you that. You will know that I'm not going to fire. You see, when I see many Christians are afraid of hell, I'm wondering, are you born again at all? Are you born again? The assurance of salvation... You see, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know how this works. I'm trying to recollect, but when I grew up under my father before I lost him, I don't think I had any doubts that he was my father. When he beat me, I had no doubt he was my father. When he didn't have money to pay my school fees, I had no doubt he was my father. Once I see him, you just know that that him in a lane. <laughs> when somebody now does not, is not certain that he's going to meet the Lord on the last day, are you saved? It's not something I can, I can put in your heart. It's the Holy Ghost that puts it there. The assurance of salvation. You hear hell, you are crying. I'm not going there. I don't belong there. I don't belong to that place. I may cry because I'm weeping for other people who will go there. But me? No way. You can't, you can't manipulate with just thinking. The weakness is strong in my soul. Strong. Are you listening to me? And sometimes, instead of getting people genuinely saved, we try to give them fake witnesses. Don't worry, you will go to heaven. If you are not sure, better worry you. Worry very well. And make sure you get saved. Don't worry, you, you, you will make it understand. There's no point trying to give anybody false assurances. If the Holy Ghost is not giving a witness, maybe we should confirm the person is saved or not. Maybe we should confirm. Are you listening to me? So let's not hide under the guile of we know who Canaan Christians are. We know what they do. For somebody to be practicing this every now and then consistently, and we say it's a Canaan. This is why many Christians or many many unbelievers claim to be Christians and do not even desire to be Christians. Because we have protected them by saying they are Christians, they are just Canaan Christians. Meanwhile, the person was never saved. Check them, check them. They will tell you they were saved in their mother's womb. And their father is a deacon. They don't understand what salvation is. They tell you they have been baptized. They have eaten Holy Communion. Is that what saves a man? Are we still together? It is important that every Christian examines themselves. The Christian is not a natural man. But many Christians are carnal. The Corinthian church operated in spiritual gifts. Listen to me. Three things about the Corinthian church that were very interesting. They operated in spiritual gifts. 
Yet, Paul describes them as canal. Prophecies, word of knowledge, gifts of faith. In First Corinthians 1, Paul says, they came behind in nothing. In all trance and knowledge, they were enriched. <laughs> what a church! It looked like a very spiritual church. If you see them blasting in tongues, so wild, so loud, Paul had to write an entire chapter to teach them how to use it orderly. Yet, Paul's verdict was like a canal. The Corinthian church had access to wonderful spiritual leaders. How can it be that Paul was the one that led you to Christ? We saw that also in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul says, In Christ I have begotten you in the gospel, though you have 10,000 instructors, yet you have one father. For in Christ I have begotten you in the gospel. Paul was the one that converted many of them. It was through Paul's preaching. You would think, ah, if Paul was the one that helped you get saved, you are very spiritual. No! Converted by Paul, yet canal. Yet canal. Pastored by Apollos, a man mighty in scriptures. Wonderful man. A contemporary of Paul. Yet canal. Involved in several religious activity. They took the Lord's table, even on what did he? First Corinthians 11. Lots of activities. In fact, baptism is Paul had to clarify in First Corinthians 1. God did not send me to baptize. They were full of baptism and lots of and kept many of the ceremonies and ordinances of the church. Yet, canal. Don't assume you are spiritual. Check. How the Bible describes a spiritual man? Check. If you, if you trace that, you find it very difficult to understand meat, solid food. Forget about doing wasted spiritual activities. Go and sit down with basics and grow up. Are you listening to me? Forget about attending seminar where they will pour a roll on your head. I wish you something like that. Go and learn. Go and grow up. Under the tutelage of the best Christian leaders, given to much spiritual activities, exercise much spiritual gifts, yet Paul called them carnal. In First Corinthians chapter 3, remember we are trying to talk about the making of the spiritual man. And I will soon begin to explain in details how the spiritual man is made. But I'm saying that just like the Corinthian church, many modern Christians are actually carnal. And we are trying to deal with it so that you can recognize yourself for who you are and then make progress. Some people are very carnal. Some people are slightly carnal. Are we still together? But there is much carnality in the body. Some people are absolutely carnal. Some people are a little bit carnal. But there's, you, everybody has to deal with their carnality. So now be called a spiritual man. That's the best way a Christian can be described. Alright, Paul's verdict on the Corinthian church was also that they were immature. Go back to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. So, this is the diagnosis of Paul. In his evaluation, he discovered that their carnality was synonymous with being babes in Christ. The baby in Christ is a child of God. I've told you that he's a child of God. But he's a baby. 
He has the indwelling spirit, but he's a babe. So, spiritual immaturity and carnality are synonymous. When we say somebody is carnal, we're not talking about somebody is having sex up and down. We are saying the person is a babe, has not grown up. Not because, now listen, Paul will not necessarily call the Corinthian church carnal if there was not enough time for them to grow up. It was okay that he called them babes. When he began to call them carnal, it was now in a negative sense. That after all these years, you are still behaving like mere men. That's why he now gives them that tag of carnal. Are we together? If somebody is born again now, you can't call him a carnal man and say, he has not grown, he just got born again, he's a carnal man. No. No. But if that, after a while, he still remains like a normal human being, that was this one is carnal. And the carnality is traced to him remaining a babe. That means spiritual growth and spirituality are also synonymous. Spiritual immaturity and carnality are synonymous. Spiritual growth and spirituality are also synonymous. Let me say this emphatically as we go on in this conversation, that growth spiritually is in your hands. You can have Paul as a pastor. You can have Apollo as a mentor. It is in your hands to grow. The Corinthian church had no excuse. They had seen the goodness of God. They had seen the gifts of the Spirit. They had demonstrated the power of God. In fact, concerning how they received the gospel, Paul said, my preaching and teaching not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. They had seen the power of God from inception. Their faith did not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2.5. Yet, they refused to grow. They had no excuse. Somebody says, I'm not growing because I don't have a good pastor. It's a lie. It's a lie. You don't want to grow. You can have Jesus as your pastor and still not grow. Are you listening to me? Growth is in your hands. That's why if you're going to be a spiritual man, it's not something I can force you into. I will teach you, I will show you, I will help you, but you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to pick myself up and be a spiritual man. Enough of carnality, enough of spiritual diapers. It's time to grow up. Growth is your choice. It is in your hands. Secondly, spiritual growth, like we have seen in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 3, is spirituality and it is measured by spiritual understanding. We know a man has grown in the spirit because he can understand. You can understand. You don't have to say too much to him. He gets it. He gets it. Easily. He gets it very quickly. How you measure your spiritual growth is not by how many hours you pray in tongues. First of all, start with how much can you understand? How much can you understand? That's the very honest place to start. How you measure your spiritual growth is not how many days you fast in a week. The first place to start is how much can you understand? The spiritual man understands. He understands. He receives from the, from the Spirit. The things of God is maturity facilitates reception. He is able to understand not just basic theology and fundamental doctrine. He is able to understand what Paul calls solid food. When I see now, one of the characteristics of solid food is instruction rebuke instruction and rebuke when somebody is offended because he's rebuked when somebody feels so bad 
and is about to enter depression because he's rebuked. I know he's a canal man. Could he go? When you go, you say, ah, thank you. You quieted me. Kai, I'm so grateful. One of the simple ways to organize a canal man is that, the, you see, Perez is a baby. Any rebuke on him, don't do that. He may change his face. Why? He's a baby. He's a babe. In the Lord of my years. When he's 18, when he's 12, if he changes his face, I will say, eh? I correct you are changing face. Are you a baby? So I just say, oh, okay, dad, I get it, I get it, I get it. Thank you, dad. I, that's how a mature person reacts to solid food. Are we together? I will not go to that church again. If you see the way they talk to me, a babe. A babe. A babe does not appreciate instruction. Does not see it as a lifesaver. You tell a babe, don't put your hand in sapphire. He said, he does not want me to play and enjoy myself. Don't put your hand in sapphire. We are trying to save your fingers. He doesn't want me to have fun. A babe. That we are trying to help him. Are we still together? First Corinthians 31. I could not speak to you as unto spiritual man. Well, as unto carnal. Because you were babes, you could not bear solid food. A babe is only comfortable with things that excite. The Lord is going to bless you tonight. Say Amen. Uh-huh. Okay, you don't want to be a babe. Oh, you mean? I get your scope. I get your scope. Shout Amen like thunder. Amen. 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 A <laughs> babe. The one will begin to say, the theology of the Lord's people will say, I will tell you. They don't want to have solid food. They just want to be enthused. For them, spirituality is about excitement. Spiritual fun will make some noise. <laughs> I say, stop measuring yourself by those things. Consider understanding. See, if there's any Bible preacher in the world who writes or teaches the word of God and you struggle to understand him, you have a little problem. When I grew up as a Christian, I grew up reading difficult men. What man need? A.W. Tozer. Oh! You will read one page, your eye will be paining you. <laughs> Solid food. It's not a motivational talk. Somebody write a book. The praise the Lord in the book is more than Bible explanation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For goodness sake. Have you listened to those kind of sermons? Where the, the message is for 45 minutes. The praise the Lord is 25 minutes. If you tell me to say, Oh Lord, I read that coming. But that's what people like. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You cannot praise the Lord while sitting down. Stand up. Carry your chair. For goodness sake. Are we kindergartens? For goodness sake. Are we children? Stand your hand. Stand. <laughs> oh dear. Open the Bible. You see churches do these things. And you just wonder, what is this? Different kind of program. Seven Sundays of favor. No problem if you want to teach about that. But then, why must it be seven Sundays? Seven is the number of perfection. Not joking. They're joking. Babes, you have to enthuse them with all those prophetic symbolism every time. They cannot relate with simple truth 
They can't. You have to do the choreography, demonstrate, do like this. You know that's how kindergartens learn? You cannot teach a kindergarten by saying, A for apple, B for banana. No. A for apple, apple, B. That's what you have to say. It's a kindergarten. <laughs> you cannot tell him straight and say, A for apple. He won't get it. He must dance and do choreography. Bring red clothes. Put. <laughs> Babes! And many Christians are like that. They have an appetite for junk food. I'm trying to show you how you became canal. It was because you were exposed to too much junk food. Once you are overly exposed to junk food, you have an affinity only for junk. Once you begin to hear solid food, you say, Mm-mm. That's why a baby who is giving biscuits and sweets and chewing gum consistently may find solid food not to be appealing. It's used to only sweet things. So when you begin to teach him, no, you have to eat this one so that you can grow. He doesn't get it. Overexposure to junks. Are you listening to me? Many spiritual leaders are at fault. But I also say, spiritual growth is in your hands. I didn't grow up under the best of spiritual environment. <laughs> My father brought one man to minister in our church one day. The man said, all of you, are, we are going to deal with Satan. You see, a carnal man responds aggressively to spiritual warfare prayers. But responds very cold to spiritual prayers. Let's pray that the eyes of understanding be enlightened. We are not going to command this spirit of death. Oh, my father, my father. What is that? What happened to you, bro? You raise your volume suddenly once you hear Satan. So the, your volume will raise. And the man said, We are going to deal with Satan. He said, Everybody, pick something, pick something. I was wondering, kill me. Then I saw the man went to pick a stick. It's not Cruz. I was there. Everybody said, He was there. I won't lie to you, but I was there. He said, We are going to flog the devil today. This was an all night prayer meeting. You need to see your pastor. Oh, hey, Satan, I beat you today. I, ba- I was a fool. Oh, yeah. I was a fool. I think about it and I said, ah, ah, Brother Judah. Oh, God, oh, God, God. Satan is spirit. You are beating me with booms. The spirit. But there are many Christians who still do that today. Still do that today. Shame. Are we still together? Understanding! How much do you understand? Measure yourself. It's not about, I pray, yeah, I pray 10 hours, but what was the content of your prayer, if I may ask? If I may ask, what was the content of your prayer? One lady came to meet me, and said, our goal was to read the Bible 10 times that year. And I looked at it, and I knew that if she only read one times, and practice one-tenth of what she read, she could do all right. My goal this year is to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I'm not saying to read once, to read Genesis to Revelation ten times. If you grew up in the Equator Church, you understand, Reverend George often said, sometimes you read the Bible throughout eight times. 
So many of us young people who were under his tutelage had such kind of zeal and passion and made attempts in that direction. But I looked at David, you don't need this, honestly. If you read once and practice one-tenth of what you read, you go there all right. But it's just for spiritual pride. But the Bible tells you Revelation ten times. But do you understand it? Now, the measurement of understanding is not mental comprehension, but how it reflects in your behavior. Are you listening to me? I understand the Holy Spirit. I understand the Holy Spirit. It's not that they now ask you, who is Holy Spirit? You now say, Holy Spirit is called comforter, advocate, counselor, standby, guide. Anybody that they cheat like that, like a lay, it will go understand. That will not be understanding. Are you listening to me? The fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the indwelling Spirit is love, joy. Now, that behavior affirms that there is an indwelling Spirit that a man understands and works closely with. And we can say, he's a mature man. He's a spiritual man. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Many people on my media platform do not believe that I'm a spirit man. One of my sons from um, Enugu came to report me that. Sir, when I introduce you as my father, they say, that man, it's only Bible he knows. He doesn't know spirit. Nobody falls down in his meetings. Because I don't allow our media people to... What happened on Sunday? Instance, I don't tell them to post it. I say, don't post it. It's not your business. Even the cameraman himself, he said, go further. Don't... Mm. When we stop at prayer, the recording stops. Nobody, only if you are in this hall, you will know what happened. Somebody will say, ah, this man does not have spirit. It's only Bible, it's only Bible. I said, I told him, I said, that's a good thing. I said, do you know that Jesus, the most spiritual man on planet Earth, the names he was called dominantly was Rabbi, teacher. They could have called him prophet. He was more than a prophet. They could have called an apostle, he was one an apostle. But his dominant name was Rabbi. Understanding is the proof of spirituality. You fall down, break chair, we thank God. Stand up. Behave, your uncle. How you they behave when you are normal? When spirit not touch you, how you they behave? You don't break chair, you don't fall, you don't roll. We thank God. Now, when spirit not touch you, how you go behave? You just school, nobody they look you. How you go behave? Inside exam hall, when nobody see you, how you go behave? Now that one we go know whether you spiritual or you cannot. Are you listening to me? It's not all those emotional razzmatazz. All of that does not really define our spirituality. Understanding. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. But unto, come on, man. For you were babes. You could not take it. Um, let's go on here. Let's go on here. Let me talk a little bit about the cause and symptom of carnality. I've explained that exposure to junk food causes carnality. But there are two other issues that causes carnality. Carnality in a Christian is caused by the flesh and the world. The flesh and the world. One is seemingly internal, the other is external. There is a version of the Bible, I think it's the NLT. Listen, listen. Listen to this statement. It's a theological statement. And I don't mean to bash the version NLT, but understand, if you are using that version, understand. 
in Romans chapter 8 and in Romans chapter 7, you may see the phrase in the NLT, sinful nature. It's not an entirely accurate way of expressing or explaining the concept of the flesh. Last week I told you that a spiritual man is not somebody who eats the flesh. And that possessing the flesh is different from being controlled by the flesh. Are we still together? Jesus actually owned the flesh. He could not stay on the earth if he did not have the flesh. But it didn't mean that he was a carnal man. As long as you are not controlled by the flesh, you are not a carnal man. Are we still together? So, I was trying to say that the concept of the sinful nature that the NLT employs is not an accurate description of the flesh. Because once a man is born again, he has no other nature. There is no dual nature. Listen to me. There is no dual nature. Whoever is born of God, John chapter 3, is spirit. Whoever is born of the spirit, rather, is spirit. Whoever is born of the flesh, is flesh. So the natural man has the sinful nature and has the flesh. Are we still together? The spiritual man has a spiritual nature. It's called the divine nature. It's called Zoe, the life of God. In Second Peter it says we have been made partakers of that nature, of that life. He has the divine nature and he also has the flesh. Possessing the flesh does not mean he has sinful nature. Flesh is not sinful nature. Are you listening to me? Follow me closely. Jesus had the flesh, but he didn't have sinful nature. To say Jesus had sinful nature would mean that Jesus was not a perfect sacrifice. He was perfect. The Bible says, yet tempted at all points, yet without sin. Jesus didn't have any sinful nature. You cannot call the flesh of Jesus sinful nature. Abba. He was not even conceived of woman's palm. How can you say he had sinful nature because he had flesh? Flesh is not sinful nature. This body is not sinful nature. No. But the NLT sometimes we call it sinful nature. That's not an accurate expression of the flesh. But the flesh is a strong contribution or contributor to much carnality. When we submit to its impulse, when we allow the flesh lead us, rule us, dictate to us, then we become carnal men. The problem is not the flesh per se, although this body will be done away with. And on the last day, at the trump, at the sound of the trump, we will put on immortal bodies because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we will be given new bodies. Because even in the world we are going to, we will have to live as we will live with bodies. One of the characteristic features of a man is that he must have a body. A man is not just a spirit or has a spirit, he must have a body. But does not have a body, he's not a man. So we will always have a body. But this temporal building where we stay, that's what Paul calls it in Second Corinthians 5. It's a temporal building. It's a building. It's not necessarily evil. I don't want to use the word evil. No, it's not necessarily evil. But if you submit to it, if you obey it, if you yield to it, it will get you into a state of carnality. So, the world and the flesh are contributors to Christian carnality. Let me say this as I go on. One of the greatest undoing of the gospel of Christ, and one of the reasons why we must really destroy carnality, is because carnality really 
has done more harm to the gospel than Satan. Yes. To have the Holy Spirit and to behave like an unbeliever, he does more harm to the gospel than even Satan. Why many people fail to come to our church when we invite them is because our behavior does not affirm we are different from them. Aside from the fact that you wear tie on Sunday, what else? We know what you do on Monday. We know what you do on Tuesdays. We know where you go on Thursdays. We know your friends and who you hang out with. We know what you play with and where you play. So what makes the difference? Why are you inviting us to your church as if you are really different from us? Until we become really spiritual men, we cannot convince the world that we are different from them. We cannot. All our programs and all our activities and all our religious rituals cannot convince the world that watches our canality day in and day out. See us in our hostels. See us on the streets. Our neighbors. And they know that we are not different. Aside from saying praise the Lord and bless you and I celebrate you. What is different in your speech? On Sunday morning, we know you play dumb when, but on Monday morning is whiskey and Davido. What is different about you? It has hampered and hindered the gospel of Christ. That's why we must really deal with it. Deal with it. That was the digression. I was saying that the world, in the sense of the environment we live in, can contribute to carnality and our flesh, which is the body we live in, and also contribute to carnality. Let me break it down. I've explained the concept of the flesh that it is not necessarily evil, but also you see, eh, the flesh has its natural, not necessarily evil, but natural appetites. Are we still together? Sleep is not evil. It's a natural appetite. Sex is not evil. It's a natural appetite. In fact, we talked two weeks ago that God invented and created the possibility of sex. Food is not evil. It's a natural appetite. Jesus would have eaten of bread or turned stone to bread in matches before and eaten and to have not really been a big deal. But in a spiritual significant sense, it was a big deal because it was responding to natural appetite instead of responding to the leading of the Spirit. Are we following? Let's talk about this closely. Many Christians behave in certain ways and when they are asked, they say things like, I just felt like doing it. Why did you take that drink? Even though you know it's alcoholic. Well, I was in the party and I just felt like doing it. Why are you dancing seductively and widely like that without lead music? Well, I just was in the mood. I just felt like doing it. Because the flesh will always talk based on certain influences that are around it. The flesh will tell you, do it like this. Be in the mood of this. Do that. Be pushed to do this. Be pushed to say that. But your job is to exercise self-control and to put your body under. A spiritual man is not known by the elimination of the flesh, but by the control of the flesh. Are we together? You can't eliminate the flesh until you die. You can't eliminate it. Young man, you wake up in the morning having erections, sexual urges. You can't eliminate it. You can minimize it, but you can't eliminate it. But to say, I'm not going to be moved, I'm not going to act according to my erections, that's a spiritual man. Sometimes I will have to run away like Joseph, but that's a spiritual man. Are we still together? Okay. 
The world contributes to carnality by enticing us to love it. In 1 John 2 verse 15, it says, Love not the world. And I like the fact that it continues. Neither the things of the world. Because the world in itself is not really attractive, particularly from a spiritual perspective. But by the time you begin to see the things of the world, you are tempted to fall in love with the world. Tempted to fall in love with the world. The glories of the world, the fame of the world, the riches of the world. When a believer begins to love the world, his carnality amplifies. In loving the world and accepting the things of the world, his carnality grows. So a carnal Christian can trace his troubles to the fact that he loves the world. The issue with loving the world is that it cannot be done without hating the things of God. There is nothing like I will love God and love the world at the same time. For every measure of the love of the world in your heart, there is a measure of the love of God that is stolen. Put it in 1 John 2, verse 16 and 17. Okay, verse 15 works. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the problem is not that I'm just loving the world. No, it doesn't stop there. What happens is that a dimension of God's love is stolen from your heart. In other words, a dimension of spirituality is stolen, it's taken away. Well, I will love the world, but I will still be a spiritual person. <laughs> it's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> no, it's not possible. You, it's like eating your cake and having it. It can't work. So, this contributes to carnality. Now, in loving the things of the world, what happens is that the world educates a man to obtain the things of the world by using the methods of the world. Listen, the world educates a man, a girl, a boy, a woman, to obtain the things of the world by using the methods of the world. So if I see a church that is more secular than spiritual, they love the world. How I know they love the world is that they use the methods of the world to get the things of the world. What do you want to get? Numbers. You want plenty of people to fill the auditorium. Let that be overflow. One, overflow two, overflow three. So you love the things of the world, which is popularity. You want to have plenty of people around you. You want to have reckoning with mankind. As it were. You want to be a public figure. The dominant method of the world in obtaining the things of the world is the philosophy of selfishness. That philosophy of selfishness is what fundamentally makes a man carnal in thinking. Every wrong behavior, wrong action that a Christian executes can be traced to his selfishness. Are you listening to me? If you see a Christian who does not dress well, maybe a Christian who dresses seductively, the problem most times is selfishness. Selfishness. When you are selfish, you don't care about the effect of what I do on others. The impact on the gospel, you don't care. The only is that, everybody must say I'm fine. Do you get it? This is the new style. This is the reigning style. And I'm going to show them that I'm going to just see so I'll do it like that. I'll wear it like that. Why? Selfishness. So a spiritual man considers what is the impact on others? What is the impact on the gospel? 
That's what is on his mind. Then he makes a decision. I say, okay. If it will impact the gospel adversely, I'm not going to do it. But the world teaches you be selfish. Why are you caring about other people? Even if you wear a job, you know the person that will lost will still lost. Mm, but don't worry. Don't care about anybody. Just do you. Be you. That's why there's much carnality. A baby is self-centered. Brother Perez is selfish. It's not because he's wicked. He's a baby. In a sense, he's carnal. He thinks about himself more than he thinks about his mother. The day he wants to suck breast, his mother cannot say, I'm tired, please, shanu me. Perez does not understand. get What is the meaning of your attire? I say I'm hungry, say you are tired. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying? Kole get here. Are we together? You huh? <laughs> when you say a carnal man, it's traced to his selfishness. Everything they do is because me. They don't ask, how about God? How about others? How about the gospel? They don't ask that. That one does not cross the carnal man's mind. <laughs> so that's the dominant ideology of the world. So, get fame, get popularity, get rich using selfishness. While the carnal man is known for selfishness, the spiritual man is known for self-control and self-denial. Especially when that is the only way the gospel of Christ will be advanced and other men will be blessed. Self-control and self-denial, especially when the gospel of Christ will be advanced and other men will be catered for. The spiritual man does not deny himself for the pleasure of suffering. It's not like the spiritual man enjoys self-denial, just like carrying a cross. But if that's the only way the kingdom will advance, I will deny myself. If that's the only way God's people will be helped, I will deny myself. I will put my body under, not because I enjoy suffering, not because pain is pleasurable, but because that's the only platform through which God's kingdom can travel. I will endure all things. Paul, in explaining that concept of self-denial, in 1 Corinthians 9, said he had the rights of an apostle. He mentioned certain rights. One of those included traveling with his wife at the expense of the church who will pay for his tea pay for his accommodation, pay for his wife's accommodation. He said, even Peter, that's how he rolled. I have the right of earning from you. I have sold spiritual things into you. Is it wrong if I reap carnal things or natural things? He says, nevertheless, I will not use any of these rights. Because he discovered if he used that right, in that particular instance, the kingdom will suffer. So he said, I won't use the right. If, 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 listen, if at using that right, the kingdom will not suffer, Paul will use the right. Do you get me? It's not that it's not just about self-denial for nothing. If the self-denial is leading to kingdom progress, oh, we'll choose that path. If Jesus could save the world through another means except the cross, he would have done it. It's not like Jesus lost the idea of being on the cross and hanging there like a criminal. That was not the idea. Why do you think Jesus would love that kind of thing? To be made sin. But that was the only way redemption could happen. So he took up the cross, denied himself, became obedient to the death of the cross. Are we still together? All right, all right, all right, all right. 
the carnal man lives by natural impulses. I echo that previously. And actually that's how we, and that's how an animal lives. You know, there are some dogs that live better than human beings. Those dogs have been trained. Have you seen those, not Nigerian police doggo, you know, the one that United States seals used to fight. They have been trained to smell bombs. If they see an enemy from afar, they can back and call the other soldiers. They have been trained to recognize wonderful dogs. But there are some human beings who do not have such trainings. They live according to animal instinct. I just felt like doing it. Something told me to do it. A, a carnal man lives according to his feelings. A spiritual man lives according to truth and righteousness. Let me close. <laughs> we'll continue next week. Listen. How exactly is a spiritual man molded? We all have said, you can affirm or you can see clear, a spiritual man is molded by what I call spiritual education. The more a spiritual man receives spiritual education, or the more a Christian receives spiritual education, which refers to the philosophy of Christ, or what Paul calls the wisdom of God, the ideology of heaven, he learns to be selfless. He learns to consider others as Jesus did. He learns to think about the effect of his actions on other people. The more he does that, the more he grows up into a spiritual man. A spiritual man is not made by visitations into the third and second heavens. A spiritual man is not going to be made because 45 archangels visited him in his room by 2 a.m. every night. A spiritual man is made when the mind of Christ is maximized by spiritual education. One of the reasons why we have produced more carnal men than spiritual men is because most of our teachings, most of our expositions, most of our preachings in various churches are not spiritual education. They are motivational speeches. People learn how to do several things in the house of God aside from the philosophy of heaven. How to behave as a Christian. How your master behaves and how you should behave like it. This is what molds the spiritual man. Because ultimately, the spiritual man is molded into a mental state of comprehension. Everybody say comprehension. That mental state cannot be achieved without education. Not encounters. Listen to me, not encounters. Not encounters. Somebody can have wild revelations of the third heaven. If there's a 19th heaven, he can be taken there. And yet, he doesn't know as he ought to know. It will not reflect on his behavior. Why? Because there's no sufficient mind education that conforms or that changes and alters his character. I believe that the modern church stopped being spiritual when we stopped doing Bible study Sunday school. Oh yeah. There were many more spiritual men in Nigeria when churches had Sunday school compulsory. You must be there. Where they opened the Bible and read it. Broke it down in little bits or in bits. 
so that people can learn the word of God. Now, we do music concerts, we do drama nights, we do suya Sunday, we do shawarma evenings, and we have carnal men. We even do so-called spiritual meetings. A visit to the immortals. But we still have carnal men. Why? The only thing that can achieve that behavioral change is education. Oh, there were, t- there were churches... Man, check, 60, 70 years ago. A Christian without a Bible is not possible. possible. Somebody says it's a Christian, it does not have a Bible, it's not possible. Now, it's, it's a normal thing. It's just a normal thing. It's just, it's just how life is. Our Holy Spirit has upgraded. But what shall not buy? It's not old school Holy Spirit. In those days, Christianity looked boring, didn't look exciting, but we had lots of spiritual people. I mean, companies used to come to church to employ people. Say, Pastor, give us five names here. We know that if you can give us anybody, they will be reliable. The character of Christians were so trustworthy. So trustworthy. Stand to your feet. Pray in the spirit a few seconds. Let the Holy Ghost facilitate understanding. Don't boot in prayer. Don't boot. Just pray. Understanding, that's the aim, that's the aim, that's the aim. Understanding that affects behavior. Understanding that affects behavior. Understanding that Holy Ghost, rot it in me, rot it in me, rot it in me. Mande krakete kataya katala bada dasta Christe komaradas. Lena namano sata katala broste Christe katala badas. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Let this word have its full effect, O God. Please let it not waste, Holy Spirit. The things that were not clear, make it clear, O God. Jesus. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J U D A H M A Y E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.